Look there, if you will, Matthew chapter 7. Let me say what a pleasure it is to be in the Lord's house. We have a uh, beautiful facility to come where we come. Clean, bright, very attractive. And we get to get together, fellowship with people, and see one another. We get to sing together and uh, group singing with the congregational. And uh, that's an enjoyable thing. Hear beautiful music. And then hear the Word of God taught. Church is just a great thing. Huh? I'm glad the Lord, the Lord designed it. It's, it's a very good thing. Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> I want to speak to you this evening as I mentioned to you this morning that I would be on the subject of judgment and judging. On Wednesday night, um, <clears throat> dealt with the... Uh, Subject of offenses in the title, uh, message entitled uh, Facing the Inevitable. That's, uh, it's gotten a lot of attention, comparatively speaking, to others on, on YouTube, on podcasts, and also comments made from our congregation here. And uh, because it dealt with the basics of about not giving offense and how not to be offended and what to do when offenses do come and how to teach others how to make it through those times. And tonight, we deal with the subject of judgment and judging. And uh, the message will be divided about equally between those two things. Look in uh, Matthew 7 and verse 1. It says uh, there, makes a statement, Judge not, that you be not judged. That first verse uh, in what Brother Carpenter read is probably one of the most quoted and perhaps one of the least understood verses in the Bible. And uh, learning its context, how it's set up in the Bible, what it's about, uh, and what's actually written about it will help us not to misuse it, not to use it in the wrong way, and also it'll help us not to be swayed by people who misapply it. In other words, we'll have a good Bible, solid Bible foundation for it. If we're going to do that, uh, we look at verses 1 and 2 again. We're going to have to look at the subject of judgment and judging, what these things are. Look in verse 1 again. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, in other words, you put that measurement against something, it shall be measured to you again. And then Jesus goes on to explain the hypocrisy and the... uh, the danger, spiritual danger of looking to find fault in somebody else about this instead of realizing that we have our own flaws that need dealt with. And so this is a vital teaching. It's uh, just because it's been thrown around uh, rather carelessly doesn't mean it's not important. And uh, Jesus puts a strong emphasis on it, so we need to pay attention to it. First one I want to talk to you about is, is judgment. <clears throat> the word judgment is a good word as far as us exercising judgment. Now, there's judgment that could come on us when, if we're being judged by the Lord. Uh, someone was asking me questions about certain things. We were having a very good discussion on some things, and I, I made a statement twice during that discussion. I said, I said that's, that's in, totally in God's arena. I'm not, I don't even touch on that. I, that that's, that's God's... He, he does that. That's not something I even have to concern myself with. I concern myself with act, acting a certain way and, and that. 
But there is judgment that has to do with us exercising judgment. And in that sense, the word is a good word. It's a good Bible word. In fact, there are warnings in the Bible that great troubles come on God's people when they don't have judgment. When they don't exercise judgment with that. Uh, Using sound biblical judgment is vital to living in a manner that's wise and that's pleasing to God. We can't be pleasing to God without using biblical judgment on things. And so we're going to look at some verses that deal with judgment. And by the way, it's a real close word to the word discernment. Um, discretion is another word that's very similar to it. In other words, being able to distinguish between things. Being able to reach sound conclusions based on what you're, what you're observing, what you're finding out. That's exercising judgment. Uh, <laughs> That's a, a little thing that's popular now as far as people say, they talk about life's lesson. You know, well, there's a life's lesson. <laughs> you know, somebody does something, don't do that. It doesn't turn out well when you do that. You know, we, we've all done that. Uh, Brother Darren and I used to have an ongoing thing we would say, and we did it for years. I don't know which of us it originated with and may have been spontaneous combustion with the two of us together. Who knows? But... Uh, we watch kids do things that are just, you watch them and you see them getting ready to do it and it's like, they're not going to. Yes, they are. Pow, it hurts. And uh, somewhere along the line, we adapted and adopted in our speaking a little phrase, well, they just got their first law in applied physics. <laughs> they got their first lesson, rather, in applied physics. They found out how those things work, you know. And judgment is being able to reach a decision, a conclusion about something, doing, doing things well. Um, living wise and godly. This type of judgment, what I'm going to teach you about tonight, is the ability to discern between what is good and evil. It's ability to discern what is profitable or what is vain. In other words, you're just spinning your wheels. You know, some people really mess their lives up and really, really curtail their potential, not because they're making evil choices, they're making foolishly vain choices. They, they don't get enough judgment, enough wisdom, and enough discernment not to keep spending their life and their energy on things that are just going in circles. Unless you're selling merry-go-rounds or something, you don't want to do that. You want to, go on, laugh at my dumb jokes. It's all you're getting tonight, all right? And uh, they, they have, uh, uh, but they really do. They just constantly uh, wear themselves out by, by never, you know, getting in a straight line and heading somewhere with something. Um, being able to discern between what is healthy and what is harmful uh, with that. Some people will, will say, uh, well, I didn't know that was going to hurt me. I, I didn't know that was going to turn out that way. And sometimes somebody who sets back, who has either just has discretion and wisdom and has been seeking that and trying to apply it, or maybe they've gotten it by experience. You know, experience can be a very arduous taskmaster to teach you things. Tough teacher. But maybe somebody who has a little more wisdom or a little more experience kind of thinks in their mind, how did you not know that was going to go where it went? Well, the reason why is they didn't have the judgment that went for that, for that situation. And so with that, let me give you some verses. Look at Matthew chapter 23. Does anybody notice the smoky smell and taste has come back? Did you get that out there? Kind of hate that. I'm tasting it. Either I'm hallucinating or I'm tasting it. We're getting something down here again. Matthew 23. You have to check out and see if my... I've just faked myself out, and every time I see fog now, I think I'm in a forest fire. 
I don't know for sure what's going on. Matthew 23. Start tasting things, talking husky, you know. <laughs> Look in verse, uh, Matthew 23 and verse 23. Remember, we learned this morning that the word woe is a uh, dreadful pronunciation of judgment from the Lord. It's a very strong word. Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. In other words, they're very careful about all that. And have omitted, of course, the word omitted means to leave out. They have omitted the weightier matters of the law judgment, mercy, and faith. Isn't it amazing that judgment is put before mercy and faith? In that, in that scenario. You say, that's right. Far more important to do those things than tithe. Yeah, they are weightier. That's what Jesus said. Oh, let's finish the sentence though. These, judgment, mercy, and faith, ought ye to have done and not to leave the other tithing undone. They're both important. But the problem is you've got to, can I use a, can I use a tough theological word? You've got a cattywampus, okay? That's tough. You, you've got it flipped around. You've got it out, out, out of order. And so, Jesus said that judgment is supposed to be practiced with diligence. It's a weighty matter in the law. Look in Luke chapter 11 also with that one. Luke chapter 11. So I'm talking about judgment. Jesus is upbraiding them, scolding them, rebuking them there. Because these teachers and instructors were not teaching anything about judgment. He repeats it here. Look what it says for emphasis. Verse 42, 11.42 Woe unto you Pharisees! For you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought you have done and not to leave the other undone. He said... He said, you're leaving out mercy, you're leaving out faith, you're leaving out the love of God. He said, you are making sure that you're diligent about every little thing you should be doing. He said, you ought to be doing those, you ought to be diligent about that, but you're doing that and you're missing the bigger picture while you're doing that, which is exercising judgment and teaching judgment with that. It's a far better thing we will do as a church as we seek to... to, to exhort and admonish and strengthen one another. It's a far better thing we do as a church if we help each other learn how to exercise godly judgment than it is to have a big long list of rules and say, well, here, 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 and here, and here. Check all these lists and then you're a good Christian. Because discernment, judgment is needed in our day-by-day life. God help us have sense to do it. Look in John chapter 7, and there's a command here that we ought to take note of simply because the misapplication of when Jesus said, Judge not, let be, uh, that you be not judged, the, the misapplication of that has caused some people to just step back away from anything that looks like judgment or making decisions. Hey, I'm talking about I regularly now, I'm talking about regularly have conversation with Christian people where they are afraid to say something is wrong and something is right. They've gone into this evil way of thinking, this corruptive way of thinking, that says, that's okay for you, that's okay for me. 
There are some things that fall in that category. Not everything is black and white, absolute uh, doctrine and dogmatic. But there are things that are. May we have enough judgment not to give ourselves over to either extreme of the situation. John chapter 7. I'm telling you the, 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 the thinking and the, uh, the way... I'm, I'm talking about God's people. The way they're approaching truth. They're, they're becoming very subjective in their approach to what is not subjective, which is the fact that the Bible is true. It's tainting people's minds enough where they'll see clear biblical writing about a subject where it says, this is evil. And they'll say, well, it's not evil because those people don't have the background to understand it. It doesn't change it from being evil. Ultimately, sin against God comes down to a corrupt heart. Many of the sins which show up in any society are, are not only against the law of God, but they're against nature itself. And people have a sense before they dull the sense. They have a sense of what's right and wrong even without knowing Bible about it. I could not have quoted you more than one verse of the Bible coming up as a young person. As I, as I was driving in this morning, Mr. Short and I were driving in, we had a good conversation this morning, and uh, I was talking to her, I said, it's amazing the difference that salvation has made. And she asked me what I meant. I said, well, I said, I went, you know, I wasn't raised in a church-going family. They got to understand something. We weren't against it. And my mom certainly was not against the Bible. She was not against it. In fact, my mom was a saved lady. She was out of church at the time, was for many years. We were taught to be respectful. So it wasn't like, oh, we don't want to be a part of that. It just wasn't anything we thought about. I literally would have never thought about going to church on a Sunday. I know for some of you have been raised in church, you're going, what in the world? Never thought about it. It wasn't a thinking of, oh, that's not something I want to do. Never thought about it. It just wasn't part of the equation at all. But then I get saved. And I find myself, Brother Joel, just wanting to be at the house of God. <laughs> just wanting to be at church, man. Why? Because something happened. And the house of my God became important to me. See, God makes a difference in your life. Maybe you sat here tonight as a Baptist, but not as a Christian. I want you to know Christ. I want you to know the Lord and actually who He is. Did I read John 7? Huh? What's the matter with me? I should have by now. John chapter 7. <clears throat> verse 24. Jesus said, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge what kind of judgment? Righteous judgment. So one thing He's teaching us is we can be fooled by things. Hey, if you forget that, you really can become arrogant really fast. <laughs> I'm a little twitchy about people who say, well, I have a great sense of discernment. I can just read people. <laughs> so laughing over here is Brother Carpenter. He's been in ministry a long time. I, and, and believe me, that's not a completely rare statement, unfortunately. I don't even think it's on the endangered list. 
And people say, well, I just, you know, I can just read people. And I, I sit there looking at them and going, <laughs> okay. Can't even read yourself, apparently. Um, 1 Corinthians 2. Let's see this thing about judgment. I'm trying to show you that uh, we are supposed to exercise judgment. 1 Corinthians 2. Beginning in verse 14, it says, But the natural man, that man, us, before we're saved without the Spirit of God in us, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. In other words, he lives in a, uh, in a manner that would not be um, would not be reproachful, would not, would not fall under judgment. So, the Bible says, Jesus said we're not to judge by the appearance, but righteous judgment. It says that the weightier matters of the law and leading that group is judgment are not to be left out. And then Corinthians, we find that a spiritual man exercises godly judgment. And... Uh, then Philippians, it's actually Philippians 1, and it is part of what was this morning's message. Philippians chapter 1. Prepare for an airplane, didn't fly very far, Mrs. Webb. <laughs> Philippians 1. <laughs> Look in verse 9. Of course, it had our attention this morning, and I'll not take time more on it because we expounded that this morning. But I want you to see it in context, in context rather with judgment and judging. Paul, Paul had a prayer here, which was this morning's message, the Apostles' Prayer. It says, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all what? And I dealt with that in detail this morning. So we find out that judgment is something supposed to be practiced and supposed to be taught as a way to your matter of the law. We find out that uh, we are to judge righteous judgment. We find out the spiritual man exercises judgment. And then we find out in Philippians 1, verse 9, that love is supposed to be both the foundation of love is to be judgment and an outworking of love is to be proper type of judgment. Now, that's biblical judgment. That's a good thing. It's what we're supposed to exercise. Now I'm going to turn our attention to judging. So the first part of the message there is judgment. The second part is judging. Then it is specifically the judging that is warned about in Jesus' words here. Because you would have to be willfully mangling the Scripture not to know that Jesus has given a warning, a very, a very sober and strong warning to us in verses 1 and 2 of our text. This is very strong. We dare not make light of it, and we dare not lighten it any. We just need to understand it's, it's fitting. Or where it fits, rather. I'm getting my thoughts ahead of my words. Let me slow down here. We, we get ahead of where it fits, uh, and uh, with that, we can, we can run off to an extreme. A person can say, oh, we're not supposed to judge. Yes, we are. But we're not supposed to set ourselves up as judges. But we are supposed to use godly judgment which is discernment of one thing or another thing. Um, 
Do you know, just like God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, and yet the Bible says knowledge puffeth up. So in other words, knowledge of the holy is understanding. And, and so there's good knowledge and right knowledge that we're supposed to have. And knowledge is supposed to be put with temperance and mercy and all these things. Even so, when knowledge combines with our pride and we get arrogant over it, it's destructive. It puffs up. And it actually leads to a blindness which counteracts the knowledge. Um, even so, with judgment, when we don't exercise judgment, it brings a judgment upon us. But if we take judgment and turn it into judging, then that also brings a problem. And so, uh, considering, let's look at this thing. Let's look at the verses again. Uh, Matthew 7, hopefully you've kept your place there. And if not, I invite you to turn back to that, please. Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. Judge not that you be not judged. So there's a type of judging that we can do that will bring judgment upon us. And it will bring the proportional judgment on us that we are giving out. That's what it says in verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Had a funny incident happen in Bible college, and it was rather cruel of us as college students. But that's part of the DNA of college students. We had a, uh, we had, uh, a college teacher, and... Uh, he, uh, he was a good guy. It was, kind of, it was funny. Um, I got to know him. We got to appreciate each other pretty well by first having conflict. I'm going to go into all that within the class. And, uh, anyway, it was, it was just kind of funny. I look back at it now. But this fellow was a stickler, and he should have been. He was a stickler about being on time. He pointed out correctly, we have obligation to be somewhere, something starting. It, it's very important that you be there. Uh, when you're not, it says, well, you don't matter what's going on, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, I'll just do my own thing. It, it, it said, and he tried to teach us, especially since we were, many of us are going to be in the ministry, we're going to be pastors and such, to, to make, make the place uh, keep going. We, had, we used to have a running joke, there was a place where there was a, uh, where there was a youth uh, meeting we went to in West Virginia, and they would always start out saying, well, make sure everybody's in. We're going to start right on time. I do not think, Brother Robin, I do not think I ever, oh, I'm sorry, I don't think we ever saw them start the service within 10 minutes of the starting time. Now, it just galls me for us to start a couple minutes late in here with that. Why? Because your all's time is important. You've decided to be in church tonight. You could have chosen something else. You decided to be here. Let's not waste your time. Let's, let's get in and get out. So, anyway, he was a stickler. Oh, my goodness, did he write us hard about it. And I think he should. We're going to be in a leadership position where we don't answer to a physical boss who makes us check things in. We need to have self-discipline to be in that situation. And you learn that. So he was tough with it. Oh, but one day Dr. Arclair was late for class. He was late for class. Now, what was worse about that? I mean, he'd been honest about it. Is it was a graduate level class. So every man in that class already had their undergraduate degree. Most of us were married and in our 20s. We were, <laughs> so it's a different group to teach. And we're looking around. And one of the guys goes, where's our Claire? I don't know. We gave him about three or four minutes. And we were in what's called the dining hall. Because that's where they serve food, oddly enough. And... Uh, uh, and it kind of it wasn't quite an octagon shape, a little bit more sides than that, but a building there, dining hall on our campus. And what happened? You had the main center dining area, and then you had all these other rooms around the perimeter 
where they would have, you know, they could expand it out to feed more people, and those all had the curtains like what we have here. And we left our stuff and went, no, we got our stuff. We got our stuff, picked it up, went across to an empty room, right across from where we were supposed to be meeting, and we hid in that room with the curtain, and we're kind of peeking through it. We can see Dr. Arclair coming down the sidewalk. He came in and into this enclosure that they called the cattle chute, that's what we called it, to come down into the building. And he's going like you can see, he's giving it all his work. He's looking at his clock, he's going flustered. Don't know what happened to him that day. He may have had the flat tire, he may have had an ill loved one. We didn't care. He was so insane. And he came in the hall where he came into this building in our room, dining hall one was the name of that room, and it's the first room on the right. And we watch him. As he comes around the corner, we can hear him starting to apologize. Fellas, I just wanted to say, and he comes around the corner, it's an empty room. <laughs> it was priceless. He just stops. And we're looking through the crack of this thing over there. And he's just totally flabbergasted for a moment. And we slide the doors open. You can hear it. And he turned around and looked, and we're all standing there going... He didn't bother us anymore. <laughs> For with what measure you meet, it shall be measured against you. Now that's humorous. That was fun. That was an enjoyable time for us. I don't think it was for him, but it was a growing time for everybody. Now let's, let's look at this thing of judging. What is this thing that our Lord has warned us not to enter into? We find in the Bible, and of course I can make an entire message out of it, but judgment we're supposed to exercise. But what is this thing of judging? Judging is setting oneself up to be the authority. Let that just sink in for a minute. It's setting ourself up to be the authority. And uh, more so, setting ourselves up to be the authority that reaches and pronounces a verdict on other people's lives and motives, and especially in the area of motives. Boy, we get in trouble with that, don't we? Judging is invariably born of self-righteousness. And it leads to division and backbiting. It does not lead to growth. And it does not lead to charity. It does not lead to strength. And since as a church, we're supposed to build up one another, we're supposed to strengthen one another, you're supposed to do that among yourself, not just the pastor towards you. It's what the body's supposed to do. The, uh, when uh, judging to set ourselves up in a verdict about things and about a person gets us in trouble every time. Wisdom is needed when we need to exercise judgment. Okay, this person's doing that. Okay, that's not a good thing to do. Therefore, I'm not going to partake in that. If someone asks you a direct question, hey, did you do that? No. Well, I don't believe that's right. We can be clear about it. The difference between that and, I'm going to tell you what, that's just that person is this or that person is that. Or let me tell you the reason why they're doing that. You've jumped, it's jumping across the line at that point. I think you can see right away we need... We need uh, Actively, we need wisdom in our lives to do this the right way. We don't want to disobey the Lord and judge others like He's told us not to 
and we don't want to disobey the Scripture and not exercise judgment and, and discernment about things. I'll give you a little more about this here. Uh, examples of judging and the actions of the disciples when they were learning to follow Christ. <laughs> you know, because they were walking along with Him didn't mean they were following Him yet. That's important to catch. Just because they were walking along with Him didn't mean they were following Him yet. They may have went point to point to point with Him, but that doesn't mean they were following Him yet. There's many a Christian who's young in their faith and some who are not as young in their faith, but they are immature in their faith. In other words, they've had the chronological years to grow, but they've not done it yet. Or they did it and they've regressed. And they may be, they may be going along with Christ, but they're not yet following. They're, they're not yet being changed by who He is. Luke 9, this is interesting. Let's look at that one. Luke chapter 9. I'm not going to turn you to each of these. Luke chapter 9. <laughs> now we're talking about judging here, what we're not supposed to be doing. We saw judgment. I think that's clear. We've given a brief overview of that. Let's look at judging, what this is. And look at Luke chapter 9. This is a classic in judging. <laughs> the... Uh, but let's, the verse I was going to take you to, let's look at what precedes it because it really sets the tone for the way their thinking was. Look in verse 46. Then there arose a reasoning among them, among the disciples. Okay, Which of them should be greatest? Now just think about that for a second. They're reasoning, which of us is going to be greatest? <laughs> now I should be in charge. You're in charge. That sort of thing. <laughs> And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart. So how could he do that? Because he's Jesus. Parenthetical statement, we are not. <laughs> Took a child and set him by him. That's funny. I wonder if he set him on his right hand. Um, but he, uh, he takes a child and sets him there. He knows what they're thinking reasoning. He sets a child there. And said unto them, whosoever shall receive this child in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. See, he, he doesn't sidestep it. He hits it directly on. Then look what they do. Now understand this background, what's happening with their thinking. And John answered, that's interesting, this is John. I had a lot of discernment a lot of time. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name. Now watch this. And we forbade him. Told him to quit doing that. Why did they tell him to quit doing that? What's it say? He followed not with us. So John, it's interesting, it's not Peter, it's John doing this. He says, this fellow's casting out devils, but he wouldn't follow us. He wouldn't come with us. So we told him to quit. <laughs> Not part of our group, so you quit. <laughs> that, my friends, is a judging mindset. We had a... <laughs> A delightful lady come bouncing in the office this week. <laughs> Michelle laughing. That's all I can describe. She came bouncing in the office. I think she's older than me. 
Um, absolutely delightful. She, uh, she's just excited about the Lord. Told me what her background was in churches. Says, I'm not in that now. Told me when she went to church. I don't know a lot about her. I, but I do know this. I do know that uh, I think it would be a good thing to be as excited about Jesus as that lady was. To be as much just wanting people to know how good the Lord is. And we had the time. Our personalities immediately hit with that. It was, you had to be there. It was quite an exchange going on for a little while. Um, she hadn't come to this church. Don't know if she would. But I'm glad the Lord has that lady out there excited about how good Jesus is. She would be real hard to turn down if she was trying to talk to you about the Lord. <laughs> and Jesus, he, he encounters this thing where they said, hey, they would come with us, so we forbade them. <laughs> and you know, that's really gotten bad at times with different groups. Yeah. Well, God's not going to reach. If we're not going to reach our area, then God doesn't have anybody else to do it with. <laughs> wow. I wonder if God knows He's in so much debt to us. I wonder if God knows He should be so impressed with us. Maybe we ought to just be grateful that the Lord will use us. And let's not abandon judgment. Let's hold to what we believe is true because we believe it's true, not just because we're holding to it. And let's avoid and step away from and speak when asked or when it's appropriate for us to against that which we know to be harmful. Let's never get the idea that somehow everything's pivoting on us. And God's bigger than just us. It's interesting. So if that wasn't enough, look what they do further down in that same chapter. I moved away from it. It shouldn't have Luke 9. So you got a real winner situation going here. They're trying to figure out who's the greatest among them. Then John, of all people, just not who you would expect, wants to forbid somebody from casting out devils because he wouldn't go with them. And then, <laughs> and then it gets worse. They go, they go down and look in uh, verse 51. It came to pass when the, same, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. So here Christ is heading towards Jerusalem. And sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And so when they knew Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem, the Samaritans are like, no. Nah. They were not hospitable towards him. The disciples see that happen. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? <clears throat> so these people were not hospitable towards Jesus. To translate to your actions, they didn't want you to witness to him. They wouldn't take your gospel track. They weren't hospitable. They weren't. They didn't want him to be there. <laughs> These two disciples say, "Can we burn him? Burn 
him. Can we nuke him, God? Can we nuke him, God? Jesus' response was, you know not what spirit you're of. Are we seeing the distinction here? It is clear once we see it biblically. So we are to exercise judgment, but we are not to be judging. Tremendous example, one with which a number of you are familiar, is in the life of Peter, when Jesus had restored him to himself after Peter denied Jesus, and had reissued the command to Peter, follow me. And in John 21, in the verses 19 through 23, which we're not turning to right now, <clears throat> Peter, of course, right after Jesus says, follow thou me, gets him back on track, says, okay, let's try it again, follow me. Immediately, the Bible says, he looks at another disciple and says, what will he do? What do you have him do? He immediately is judging again. And of course, the Lord rebukes him sternly for that. Um, <clears throat> it exactly matches teaching in Romans chapter 14 where it warns us about judging another man's servant. And we're not supposed to do that. Finally, in the matter of judging, God especially dislikes us holding others to a standard which we will not hold ourselves. That's what he was talking about in Matthew there. Holding other people to a standard to which we will not hold ourselves. Will you find the book of Romans there for a moment? Romans chapter 2. So we're to exercise judgment, but we are to judge not lest we be judged. We dare not in any way diminish that. That's a strong statement from the Lord. I found it and dropped it. Romans chapter 2. And if you will, verse 1, it says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? That's pretty clear, isn't it? In our text in verse 2, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured again to you. Back in March, I sent out on a group text and then also to a couple preacher friends of mine, something I'd written after studying, meditating through the book of, or through Romans chapter 14, which deals with this issue of, of what judging is and what we're not supposed to be doing as believers. Um, I believe what I wrote then is the best way of summarizing the whole message tonight. And I'm going to read to you what I sent out then. <clears throat> after reading Romans 14, where it dealt with this idea of judging instead of exercising judgment. Here's where my thoughts went. It turns out that being judgmental, which is judging the wrong way, that being judgmental rather than using good judgment is not the exclusive domain of either the conservative nor the liberal. 
neither the religious nor the secular, neither the intellectual nor the ignorant, nor is it inherent to nor absent from any race or nation. It also is common in both of the two genders. At its most basic, being judgmental is setting ourselves up as the judge instead of judging according to righteous judgment. Righteous judgment is measuring first ourselves and then all else by a right or a, a right or a righteous standard. God has graciously, graciously given us His Word as the absolute standard of righteousness. And the first thing we are to measure with that standard is our own heart, actions, and life. Let me pray with you tonight. Father, thank You for Your words. Help us to be a people of good judgment and not a judgmental people. Lord, may we have wisdom to walk as You did in the completeness of truth, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, please.